Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television, brought to you by our great friends at Ditchwitch. Bass Edge TV is on Wild TV and in Canada, also on the Versus Network now through June of 2008. This is Outdoors Dan and my good friend Aaron Martin, who just can't seem to keep anything close by anymore, <laughs> is right alongside. And what are we talking about? Someone lost their broadcast stuff. Yeah, that's that's not something you want to lose, Dan. As a matter of fact, I had to have it shipped to us, and then, as you well know, uh, had some technical difficulties and ended up losing the file. So, hence, that is why we are late this week. Well, better late than never. But we got a great podcast for you, folks. Angler James Nigelmeyer's on the deck. Going to talk about side fishing and doing some pre-spawn techniques, and then we're going to have a good inside edge segment. So, Aaron, you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. It's all right here for you on the edge. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Experience the revolution. Uh Uh-oh, look here, I got one, I got one. Look here. (laughs) I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish, good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that stuff gun, man, that's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. All right, welcome back to The Edge. Outdoors Dan here along with Aaron Martin. And, you know, I know you've been fishing all over the place. That's I got sick from Turk trying to get my last turkey done. It's one day it's 70, next day it's 20, and what a bunch of cruddy weather. Kind of makes it difficult to hunt mushrooms, doesn't it? You know, I haven't seen a mushroom yet now. When I was on the show in St. Louis on last Sunday, I had a bunch of people from uh, the St. Louis area in Illinois saying that they were just finding gobs of them. But up here in Iowa, they're not doing it yet. It was, it was a weird thing. I, I Actually, uh, coming back through town from one of our filming uh, sojourns, I stopped uh, there by my mom's um, in Missouri. And believe it or not, right there in her front yard, we found uh, about a dozen morels. So. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's so, exciting. It is exciting. Yeah, I love morels. So what else you been doing? It's been busy. I mean, between, uh, you know, we're well into full swing of, of filming. Uh, had the opportunity to be down at Caddo and then also uh, up in Indiana. And, of course, we're gearing up for some some events uh, with the Bama Jam and the Legend Owners Tournament. But I've got to tell you, I mean, the, the way this weather has been and kind of the, the changing conditions, it's made for an exciting spring to try and figure out uh, what these fish are, are willing to respond to. <laughs> so. no, it's just crazy. And, you know, I feel sorry for the people out there, you know, with the Midwest between trying to figure out, you know, when the spawn's going to hit. And, you know, because like I said, one day it'll be 65 degrees, the next day it'll be 20. And it's got to be pushing. I know the turkeys are behind a couple weeks. It's got to be affecting the fish. Well, it is. And, you know, the odd thing about it is, Dan, I, I know that, um, of all places that we anticipated being able to to get a, a sight fishing show, and I got I also got to say, I mean, it's not that I was by any means disappointed, but you know, here we were when we went to Lake Patoka there in Indiana, and I don't want to give it away too much, but let's just say we probably got some of the best footage that we have ever gotten in the history of Bass Edge. Uh, in literally within a period of 12 hours because it warmed up because we had the full moon and just all the right conditions those we got to physically watch those fish move in from their staging kind of that pre-spawn condition uh into the beds and it was amazing just in that short a period of time how they moved in made their beds and how they locked on the nest and uh, of course we were able to to catch those and um, and James is going to talk a little bit about that so well there you go 
Hey, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter, folks. We'll tell you more about that before the close of the show. The Bama Jam is June 5th through the 7th, and we are giving away tickets here at Bass Edge. If you want to know more about that, I suggest you check out the website. And I know Aaron wants me to tell you because he needs new shirts and his jeans are getting holy, but the Bass Edge <laughs> store is open. Apparel, art and reels, true tax spinner baits, and, of course, Jay's book are all available via BassEdge.com. I guess we just need to get out of here, take a break, and then come back and listen to James. Yeah, let's get right to James, because I, I don't think we can do any more justice than what he's about to tell us. All right, folks, we'll be right back here on The Edge. Give any type of boat The Edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140. And best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare KeelGuard. Thanks, MegaWare KeelGuard. Welcome back to The Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches Zon. Establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. Hello and welcome back to The Edge. And joining us this week for the Angler Spotlight is BASS Elite Pro Angler, James Niggemeyer. James, thanks so much uh, for being part of The Edge. Hey, Aaron, thank you for having me a part of The Edge. It's, uh, it's always a wonderful thing, and i uh, love to be a part of it and uh, joining in whenever I can. Well, James, we like you so much that we actually had you do this interview twice, so you're getting <laughs> double the exposure. But uh, now there is an inside story there, and unfortunately, James and I actually had done this interview, uh, like Dan had mentioned earlier in the podcast, before... And somehow in transit, uh, we lost the the file in the download process. So appreciate James, you coming back and uh, and your patience on getting this done. But it must be mean that it's going to be twice as good. Is that right? Well, yeah, and it's always comforting knowing that I'm not the only one that's technically challenged. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I'm definitely technically challenged when it comes to that. I can tell you, we're at the time of year of spring, and it's quite honestly, you know, for you and I, it's probably one of our, and a lot of other people, it's it's one of the best times of year to be an angler. Oh yeah. My favorite two times of year are the spring and again in the fall. And, uh, you know, the spring, they're, they're all caught up in fattening up for the winter, chasing that shad. And this time of the year, it's all about procreation and, and, and spawn. And when they, they've got a, something in mind when they come to the shallow. You know, they do. And I think that another benefit is not only do bass come in, but there's a lot of species that are really heading into, you know, crappie and brim and things like that that are also fun. Sure, you're right. Yeah, and, and it's just a wonderful time to be out there fishing because you don't know what you're going to catch, and there's so much life to see and, and take part in. One of the questions, James, that I think comes up a lot and, and pertaining to this time of year is going to be you know, kind of the pre-spawn you know, spawn time. And I think that there's several factors that, that obviously that you can use uh, to target these fish to get them to respawn, but perhaps you could break down kind of what is the starting point for you uh, to, to start looking at pre-spawn and then also for the sight fishing process? You know, uh, one of the biggest keys for me is typically water temperature is a great kind of litmus test to see where we're at, you know, what's going on. Um, when the water temperature starts to approach the high 50s, low 60s, that's when you're going to know that there are some fish shallow. They may not all be there, but that's a good, that's a good indicator that you're on the right, the right page. Um, one of the other things I think are warm nights. When the lows don't get too low, that's always a good indicator that there's more fish moving in and just the conditions stabilizing. When you just have a warming, nice warming trend and days just continue to be, you know, nice and stable, 
stable warm days and stable warm nights. Those are those are three of the things that I really think that really push make a big move. Of course, they don't all come at the same time, but that's that's going to be those are three things that I think really make a real kind of a wave of fish will come to the bank. You know, you bring up stability, um, which I think is is huge, not only from a weather standpoint, but also like to get your opinion. We've been in a situation this year to where certain parts of the country have had a tremendous amount of water. Um, how critical or how key is stability in, in water level and, and those type of things as well? You know, that's a, that is a great point, and I think that it is something that's very important, um, whether it's high water or maybe not even just a lot of runoff where you have a lot where the water is really stained. Those things will hold off fish and uh, until things really start to level off if you have water that's dropping or rising, um, water temperature that's fluctuating, those things are really going to hold fish off. But I will note that what I've seen over the years is that it's not going to hold them all off. It's just going to it's going to hold the majority of them off, but there'll be fish that are going to go out there and and really kind of uh, be the leading edge, and there will be some fish that will move up and, and do their thing regardless. But, uh, for the, again, the majority of the fish will definitely um, wait till things stabilize. Well, and, and I think another point to bring out there, James, is that not all fish necessarily move into the banks to spawn. You know, you, you can take lakes like, I'm sure, like Gunnersville and some place like that to where, you know, out in the middle, you know, those, those fish will find something to spawn on as well. Right. There's, uh, there's always going to be offshore flats that maybe uh, we can't necessarily see the bottom, or but there's enough light penetration in which some of these fish, I think, uh, will live a lot of their lives in mid-range to deep water zones. And, and so not all of them, you're exactly right, Aaron, not all of them will move to uh, to the real shallow water, say, say less than 10 feet. Sure. You know, now, now transitioning specifically into targeting these fish and where to look, what to catch them on, can you really set us up for that? Sure. You know, big creeks or, or long um, creek arms are, are always really good because in, in a way they almost, come, they almost become their own little separate lake. You have uh, an area that warms. It's, you know, protected from a lot of the cold north wind. Kind of you have a, a section of water that's apart from the rest of the lake. That water is going to tend to warm faster and uh, it's going to almost act like a pond would. You know, those ponds are going to warm faster in the, in the the whole cycle of the spawn is going to get in, kicked into high gear. And this is kind of the same thing. And I'd look for flats. Flats are always really good. Any Anytime you have small uh, you know, flats that come off the bank, pockets are really good, any kind of, uh, any kind of pockets. But hard bottom, hard bottom is, is, is really important as well. Uh, those are some of the things I would definitely look for. And that can be hard relative to the area that you're in. For instance, it doesn't necessarily always have to be you know, limestone rock, because quite frankly, some lakes don't have limestone rock. That's exactly right. If you go to Florida, they're going to have, um, what I've found is that a lot of the decaying plant matter has really made a soft, mucky bottom. What the bass do in, in that instance is they'll they'll spawn on, on vegetation like uh, lily pad root systems, which the root systems are actually pretty hard still. Mm-hmm. So you have, you know, they'll go to what's the hardest thing in, that's available to them. You know, one of the things that I've seen you as well as other anglers do, James, is when you're doing your map study or, or say, looking at your GPS, is finding pockets or, let's say, creeks that are kind of, I guess, protected, if you will, and is that something that you look at? Absolutely. That's especially, you know, when you're talking about when things are at the early, early part of the season, when when you're not quite sure whether fish have made that, that uh, initial move into the shallows, 
you want to go to your kind of your northwest facing or northwest section of the lake. That's going to be your the area that's going to warm the fastest. And as the spawn continues, the last wave will be set, say your southeast portion. So you're going to have uh, you're going to have a definite move around the lake. As, and that's the place that I really key in first is kind of your northwest section of the lake and those pockets that are in that vicinity. You know, one of the things that's interesting, too, is depending on the size of the reservoir, but like you had talked about before, is that the spawn doesn't necessarily, all of them don't come into the bank at once. Well, the different cycles as that warming, and, and you, you can almost follow the spawn in, in the lake from one end to the other. Oh, you absolutely can, because uh, the warming trend, see that northwest area, that's the area that's going to get most of the sun in the early part of the season. And as the lake continues to warm, it'll continue to spread all over the lake. And then there's actually a time in my mind that the whole lake is in spawn. For one, for a very brief window, they'll all be pretty much some in some section of whether it's pre-spawn or spawn or actually post-spawn. There's they're associated in that same time frame, and, and at one point the whole lake will be like that as it cycles through. And so yes, it's a, it's something that you have to keep in mind as you're looking for these fish. Well, James, I, I want to make sure that we have enough time to transition into the, the actual site fishing portion. But let's say, okay, we found the banks, we've, we've found the hard bottoms, the areas we know that the water temperature, all the conditions are right. Now we can actually see the, and, and are looking at these fish. How do you approach from, walk us through, you know, bringing your boat in to, to being quiet, to the baits. Really set the stage for that, if you would. You know, Aaron, this is one of my favorite times of year. I love to see them. It's like topwater fishing, only it's not on the surface. So you go in, and, and typically what I like to do is come in and with a real stealthy approach. And uh, sometimes under tournament conditions, we don't have that much time, so I may kick the trolling motor on high and cover a lot of water so I can look for an area that I start to see fish in, whether it's bass or bluegill or whatever, where I start to see some life. And then say I come in there pretty fast, I'll double back around and let that area settle down and let the fish reposition and get to where they're feeling more comfortable about things. But uh, I want to come in and I want to look for fish that are positioned and um, that are kind of setting up in an area that they want to protect or, or they're kind of um, have a little area where they're setting up to spawn. And what I want to do is look at the fish's body language. Is the fish, when I first come in, is the fish going to just run off? Well, that's not one that's going to be really easy to catch. The one that kind of stands its ground and really is not as intimidated about my presence there, those are the ones that you, I like to key in on. Those are going to be the quickest ones to catch. And just watching how they react to my lure and the boat positioning, these are things that are going to tell you how, how much more susceptible they are to your lure presentations. And one of the things that you brought up that I think I, I want to reiterate this because I've seen it too many times myself, you spoke about seeing other brim or bait fish in the area. You know, you think about spawning, you're like, well, they're coming in to spawn. Why does it matter that there's brim and bait fish? But that is so key because that can make the difference between there being, you know, actually budding fish in that, that cove or not. Well, and, and multiple patterns going on, like pre-spawn fish and spawn fish, both. And, uh, you know, always having some sort of a, a food availability in the area is great. This is going to be an area that a lot of fish are using, and, and in that way, it's, you're definitely going to know that you're around fish. And say you find an area they're spawning and want the next day a front comes through, then you might be able to back off the bank and, and uh, cast just cast fish for fish that you know are in the area because they haven't gone too far, but they may be backed off the areas that they were getting ready to spawn. So it's really a, it's a high percentage area that you're kind of building in a plan B, let's say, into, into your day. Yes, absolutely. You you want to be prepared for you know what what might change 
and uh, it's great to have a food source nearby. You know, I always want a food source nearby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They do too. <laughs> so now we are, we found the fish, we're looking at the fish, and you've determined that after you've kind of made your circle back that uh, based on the body language, you know, the fish is, is really holding, you know, holding on the bed. Where does it go from there? What What baits are you going to use, and how far will you, you know, sit away from the fish? I like to try to get as far away and still be able to see the fish I'm presenting my lure to. And the reason I do that is it's not always the easiest way to, to get a bait to the, to the fish, but they're going to be a little bit more comfortable with my presence. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a little bit easier to catch that fish. And I like, to, I like baits. I like a variety of baits, shapes and colors. You know, I like something that's bright, like a white or a pink or an orange or something like that, so I can see from a distance if it's important to see that bait. And I think a lot of times when we're first starting sight fishing, I think seeing the bait's important. But as as you come across some fish that are going to be, there's educated fish out fish out there. I mean, I've I've seen them where there's some that you just can't catch. And I like natural hues: your watermelon, your green pumpkin, your pumpkins, and stuff like that for those fish. And these bait, and so you know, lizards, craws, worms are really good. Even little French fry type baits. So different shapes and sizes and colors. And once I present a bait to them. If they don't look as interested as I'd like, I might take that one off and put on another color or another shape. And I keep rotating through to kind of see exactly what might be maybe intimidating to them or what might be interesting to them. So that's, I, you'll, you'll see them. They'll shy away for it, from it or they'll actually go to it. And so you're going to want to watch that fish's body language to really get a clue as to whether you're, you've got the right bait on or the right color. Well, and it, it can make so much of a difference just by making that switch to a non-aggressive fish to all of a sudden you throw a different bait in there and it, I mean, it just lights it up. Oh, yeah. I've seen it with a jig. You know, sometimes I'm throwing all soft plastic. And that's one lure that I, I probably we should focus a little bit more on. A, a jig is something that's a great bait for trying to fish for sight fish, for fish that you can visibly see. And um, a soft stick bait's another one. And sometimes you'll see fish that are in an area and they're not necessarily on a bed. Those fish are catchable at times as well. Staying off from them and making a cast, if they're kind of cruising down the bank to the left, throw mm-hmm. out in front of them 10 to 15 feet in front of them and with a real subtle entry, and sometimes you'll be able to catch some of those fish as well. So different lures, a jig is, is, is great, and uh, those, they'll definitely react differently to different colors and baits and shapes. Well, and, you know, James, when you talk about the different baits that you're using rather uh, to target these fish, it's... It's almost like when you're topwater fishing and let's say the fish misses the topwater bait, you can throw in with a chase bait. You can really team up with your partner to where both of you are included on the, on the, the bed fish. One guy could have the bait that's really firing him up, but he won't, may not want, the fish may not want to bite that bait. And the other guy can have another bait that, that follows up. Say, I might get him fired up with one, and then and your partner might throw in there with a bait that's going to maybe have a higher hooking percentage mm-hmm. or something that's going to be a little less obtrusive. And um, so you, I might, for instance, have a big jig on there with a big bulky trailer that gets that fish real fired up, but then you might fire in there with a tube, right. and, they, and that would be the way to catch that fish quickly, you know, more quickly. Whether you're in a tournament situation or on the weekend, we're all against fishing against the clock. Right? Absolutely. And uh, at the end of the day, we want to catch as many as we can. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, quickly in our, in our closing segment here, um, provide a little bit of feedback on when you would use, let's say, a bait casting or pitching rod versus, say, a spinning rod. In a lot of the lakes, uh, kind of like the lake you're, you're familiar with, Table Rock, mm-hmm. I'd probably use an 8- or 10-pound test. You know, shaky heads are a great way to catch a lot of fish on a bed. And I might try to use a finesse approach on those types of lakes. 
Now, if I'm down in Florida or here on my home lake, Lake Fork, a big flipping stick or a seven-foot rod with medium-heavy with a big lizard or a jig might be uh, the type of tackle that I might use to catch these fish. But I've even used you know lighter approaches where I've, maybe I've seen a really nice fish that I want to catch, and uh, I'm around heavier cover, but the, they shy away from that. Um, I might even throw a drop shot on a fish that's real weary and, and skittish. And well, and that's the beauty part of that drop shot is because you can just kind of hover it you know, let the weight set off the bed or kind of at an angle and just hover that bait right above the sweet spot. And oh, it's like dangling a carrot right now, and they just can't handle it. <laughs> Here we go. See, we always go back to talking about food, James. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, uh, James, I tell you, thank you so much uh, for taking uh, time to do the interview again, and I know we've got uh, some great things planned uh, for you on the edge this, this year, so uh, look forward to that. But unfortunately, we are out of time. Any closing thoughts or comments? Oh, again, Aaron, thank you so much for having me a part of Bass Edge. And uh, I'd love to hear from more anglers, and uh, they can always come on, log on to Bass Edge and go to the Ask the Pro section at BassEdge.com. All right, well, there you have it, James. Uh, again, thanks for your time, and we look forward to uh, talking with you again soon. Likewise. Take care. You know, Aaron, James, Nigemeyer, I really like that guy. He has uh, some really unique thoughts, and he's right about that, Priestmind. You just never know what you're going to get with that. Well, you don't, you know, and, and, and you hear us talk a lot about here on the edge and through the website and that as far as figuring out kind of what stage or the seasonal conditions. Um, and I, I think James brings up a good point that when uh, when the fish are in the pre-spawn, when they're kind of staging up, getting ready to, to move into the bed, the beauty of that is you can literally, there's certain times of year when you can literally find fish in all three stages. And, of course, that's right now, meaning that, uh, you'll have pre-spawn fish that have yet to spawn. You'll have some that are actually in, uh, locked in on the beds, uh, you know, going through the spawning process. And then, of course, you have the ones that have already spawned or the post-spawners uh, that have moved basically back out. Uh, they're done with their thing, and they're getting ready to move uh, into their summer haunts. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really a unique time of year, and I really got a lot from Knowing when to give up on a fish, if, if you see one that's locked on a bed, just reading their body language tells you a lot. When you throw that lure in there or when you're pulling up to it with your boat or trolling motor, uh, how big of a circle? Does that fish swim off and you know, run uh, 20, 30 feet and kind of hang out? Or does, is it kind of hanging close by, making you know, smaller circles? Uh, I, I really got a lot out of that. Yeah, and you know, when he talks about side fishing, Side fishing is pretty is a pretty neat art. When we were down there in springtime uh, with Shaw, he, you know, he was talking about side fishing, and he actually showed me something on the back of his boat I had never seen before. Now you probably old hat with this stuff, but it was a power pole mm-hmm. that uh, you just flip a button on your on the back when you're when you're trolling, right? And it it, it just automatically pops up and down to sl- slow your drift. And um, it's, I thought he said it was a power pole. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly. And that's a, that's what it's called. It's called a power pole. Uh, works fantastic for sight fishing, but also when you're in thick vegetation like lily pads, you know, you hit that trolling motor. That throws basically prop wash, uh, the clanging on the, the vegetation. I mean, all that vibration obviously is magnified through the water, mm-hmm. and it's a great way to hold you in one place without having to constantly be on the foot control of the trolling motor. Another thing actually... And it's funny you bring that up because we are in the process of having these installed uh, right now on our new boats that's coming out of Legend on the trolling motors, and that's the reaction systems, which we'll get more into detail on that. But what that allows you to do is that trolling motor prop 
stays engaged the whole time, and it sits there and just spins very, very slowly. And instead of, you know how when you hit the button and you have that sudden thrust, you go from, you know, a standing still standpoint to all of a sudden, let's say you're running at 40 or 50 or 60 percent of power, right. uh, it throws that cavitation or that, that prop wash. Uh-huh. Uh, it really reduces. It's another factor that really helps, you know, when you're kind of up close and personal with fish. So two great ideas there. Well, I, I just I just think that's neat because, I mean, dummy me, I always thought that the people mostly use drift socks and stuff to slow down when they're side fishing, but... And, you know, Josh, he actually put two of them, one on each side. Right. And it's amazing. He said a lot of the guys on the BASS tournament, Bass Tournament and FLW, are using those now. Yeah, no question. And it's, uh, you know, for shallow fishing, it's it's the real deal. Man, that's pretty cool. Well, what a great interview with James, and good job, Aaron. We need to go take another break. When we come back, we're going to take you inside Edge. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 tow and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, welcome back to this week's Inside Edge. And joining us is Troy Heckman of the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association. Troy, uh, again, thanks so much uh, for being part of The Edge. Not a problem, Aaron. As always, it's a pleasure to be here. have a lot of events uh, going on, and I know June is uh, certainly a busy month for the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association. Oh, we, we do have a lot. Uh, you know, it's uh, following up a busy Big Ten Championship season that we had uh, just last week. Uh, but yes, uh, June 14th, 15th, uh, we have the Green Mountain Regional event that will be uh, hosted by our friends at Penn State University on Sayers Reservoir. And following uh, that weekend, we're going to have the Heartland Regional and Big 12 Championship, the very first Big 12 Championship on uh, Lake Eufaula in Oklahoma, uh, June 21st, 22nd. Well, you, you know, it just amazes me, Troy, the amount of participation. Uh, it seems like it's just coming out of the woodwork. Oh, it, it is. It's uh, Things have not slowed down for, for us at all. Said, uh, you know, we've provided well over 250-plus uh, club development plans to date, and you know, we get calls from... Uh, you know, student anglers every day about, hey, how, how can we be part of this? How can we be part of this? It takes a lot of time, but I tell you, it, it's been well worth it, and we, we love getting all those calls. Well, you know, Troy, I can say from my perspective and, and on behalf of Bass Edge, you know, we've had the opportunity to really get to know a lot of the collegiate anglers, and, of course, uh, now we're using them for the, the quick tips. Uh, we'll be filming with some for the 2009 season. Uh, trying to get several of them, you know, involved with some of the articles and, and the story. The learning curve and the talent that is there, plus, you know, just the satisfaction from working with them. Just a great group of, of young men and young women uh, who are part of the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association. Oh, absolutely. I tell you, that the the group in general is top shelf. Uh, and I tell you, it's just uh, the most satisfying thing that we do is our personal contact that we have have with the young men and women and just the opportunity to interact with them and help support, you know, things that they love, collegiate angling and that. It's, uh, it's very satisfying. You know, you've heard us say uh, on here many times before, but collegiate angling is and the CBAA, what they represent is so much more 
than just competing in tournaments. Oh uh, yeah, yes it is. Uh, you know, one of our our primary goals is to you know make you know responsible stewardship of our resources. You know, boat, boating safety, water safety type issues, uh, and you know just uh, you know champion champions of character as well. So we want to help the the student anglers. You know, uh, you know make the best decisions they can. They can. You know, discernment is just. Uh, one of the life skills that unfortunately some people don't have enough experience with or opportunity to to learn that's uh, definitely something that through some of our programs that we would like to be able to provide that opportunity for them well i can certainly tell you know just uh, the ones that i've met it goes a lot deeper than just the competitiveness uh, of the actual cbaa events but before we get out of here one thing i do want to cover is what's this about this power ranking that i i've heard so much about oh there you go well one of the uh, cba uh, missions is to provide localized opportunities and you know nowadays it's, it's very important when you're getting uh, fuel around four dollars a gallon is to provide some localized opportunities and uh, we've uh, created 12 national regions within those regions uh, starting in 2009, uh, possibly the fall of 2008. that we're going to have CBA uh, events in the regions that will earn the team's points for participation. It goes towards our overall national championship and you know, birth into the CBA nation, national championship event. So really, there's uh, geographically, there's... There's no more excuses of, of why you can't be a part of CBAA, correct? No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there's always going to be somebody that's closer to the water you're fishing, but it says if we can, uh, you know, reduce the, the amount of travel time expenses to, on, the, on the student anglers, that, you know, that's one of the things that we are dedicated to and the, the anglers deserve to be able to, you know, stay home, stay close to home and fish and, you know, do something they love. And we're going to do best we can to provide uh, each one of them that opportunity. Well, Troy, again, uh, we are out of time, but one of the things, I mean, Bass Edge is certainly privileged uh, to be a part of the mission of the CBAA, and, and we look very forward uh, to our endeavors there and, and featuring a lot of the anglers and being kind of on the inside trenches. But for our viewer and our listener uh, sake, how can they find out more information of how to get involved with such a great organization? Oh, great. Uh, we, we do have a, a, our, our website is currently uh, being overhauled to represent the, uh, the needs of the student angler better, but that's uh, www.collegiantbass.org. Contact us by uh, email at troy at collegiantbass.org, or if uh, you want to, feel free to give me a call on my cell phone. That's uh, area code 574 574- Seven eight zero four three nine zero. Love to hear from anyone out there. Well, uh, Troy, I don't know how you do it, just given your schedule and all the interest that has been involved within the organization. But hats off to you, and thank you so much uh, for helping to grow the sport based upon values, integrity, and uh, it's, it's just so refreshing to see that take place. Not a problem, Aaron, and we sure appreciate our friends at Bass Edge. We look forward to it again in the future, Troy. Thank you very much. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's Go-To Tackle System keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge. All right, welcome back to The Edge Outdoors. Dan, Aaron Martin, and that's Troy Heckerman. I tell you, that Collegiate Bass Anglers Association, I've, I've said it since the day you told me about it, 
but a great group of people. I, I can't say enough about the organization, and now I've gotten to, obviously, just because of my position with them, uh, meet a lot of the anglers. We're actually, Dan, uh, we will be filming a full-fledged episode with one of the anglers uh, from the CBAA, and then also we have started uh, doing some, some of the uh, Bass Edge quick tips that we do through the e-newsletter, the video tips, and then also through the website. Uh, we've recruited some of the uh, collegiate anglers for that, and I've got to tell you, they know their stuff, and they're a lot of fun to work with. Yeah, I just want to know, when are you going to film a show with the ODFC? With the, all right, help me out here, because I know I'm about to get uh, no, the, the rug yanged out. Outdoors Dan Fan Club. Oh, I still keep waiting for the show, and I just never get my invitation. There we go. <laughs> all right. I knew there was some uh, some meaning behind that. So. Well, I mean, you're doing all this other stuff with the BASS, the FLW, the CBAA, yeah. all and the, acronyms, the ODFC right. got some recognition. <laughs> it, you're I, right. It is time. I'm telling you. I, and I still have not got my shirt. Where is my pumpkin shirt? Your pumpkin shirt. Yeah. It is, if you look on the the website on com, it's right there front and center, man. Yeah, I know. I saw that. I, <laughs> I haven't seen mine with the little FedEx guy at the house. Yeah. So. See, see, folks, there's no love whatsoever. That's right. And for you, it's a special deal. We only tack on 10% extra. I know. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. But, no, hey, seriously, Troy, great job. And what a great way to go through school. And, you know, they really make them uh, concentrate on their grades. So. Uh, yep. if, if they slack off on the schoolwork, they're out. Well, and, and I just can't help but think of that we were on this conversation the other day that I know that there are students out there whom are going to school as a direct result of the CBAA, and yep. uh, that's that's pretty neat. Well, it's awesome. All right, folks, we need to get out of here, but we would like to ask you to send in a listener, listener not lessener, we, we think <laughs> not less of you but greater things, but a listener email question. This cold's killing me, guys. I don't know what else to say. ProStaff at BassEdge.com. Please put all of your uh, contact information on there. Nothing will be sold. That stays internal. But we need that because if we answer your stuff and we want to reward you with, like, my pumpkin shirt, which I'll never get, we got to be able to get a hold of you. So please, ProStaff at BassEdge.com, and make sure you check out the newsletter or the website or listen here because somewhere down the road we'll, we'll answer your question. And iTunes subscribers, thank you for everything you've been doing, for getting the show there and rating us. You don't need to worry about that so much. Ratings have come through, and we're just off the charts. And I know Mr. Martin's happy about that. Oh, no question. And I uh, just want to throw a reminder. We're, you know, Bass Edge is going country here. We're, we're heading to the Bama Jam June 5th through the 7th. want to remind everybody about that. Uh, send Free in tickets. Free tickets, that's right. We've got tickets to give away. We'd love to have everybody out there with us. And also, uh, if you happen to be down in the Lake Fork area, you know, May 17th through the 18th, for the Legend Tournament, uh, we'll be down there giving away a bunch of free stuff, too. Yeah, and I won't be there, folks, but I'll, I'll be thinking of you anyway. That's right. Hey, the news, <laughs> don't forget the newsletter's out. Get signed up, BassEdge.com. Who's on TV next week? Who's on TV next week? Uh, great question. I know that on the podcast we have uh, Rick Loomis will be joining us n- next week. And then also Steve Sacheray from East Penn is going to answer and really clarify a question concerning uh, cranking batteries that, believe it or not, that's one of the reasons why I asked him to be on here, because he brought uh, just a kind of a new thought process to what is needed for these new motors that have come out. Well, I'm amped for that. <laughs> let's get going. All right, let's wrap it All right, that'll put a charge into this whole thing. That's I can tell right. you that right here. I need to get out of here. For, I'm sorry, folks. Yeah. They, just, they just come out. I, I need don't, to I take no some control. night Hey, this is Outdoors Dan for Mr. Aaron Martin. We will see you next time right here on The Edge.
Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible. Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, B&W Trailer Hitches, Megaware Keel Guard, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Ardent Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstar Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.